Good morning, church, and Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you. Well, I think you just sort of got a, an idea of what's coming in January. I know we still have another week in December, but at least you know what's coming uh, in January. There should have been, if you got a bulletin, a little flyer in there as well about needing a miracle. And uh, we want you to come back and discover the greatest miracle worker and how he worked a little over 2,000 years ago and how he's still working today in our lives. So I'm excited about that series, but we're not there yet. We're still in this series. And if you've been here the last few weeks, uh, in this past month, you know we've been talking about what our family will. And when we talk about what our family means, it's not just flesh and blood family, our church family, but what is a family of Christ, what does that look like? What is, what's our family rules, so to say? And uh, today we're going to hit one of the most important messages. Our family will love one another and accept one another. Um, sort of a shocker, right? <laughs> For those of you who've been here, it's like uh, we knew we were going to get to this sooner or later about loving one another. After all, our church is known for loving God and loving others. We were going to talk about this eventually, right? Yes, today. After all, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter we've often referred to, 13.13, though, says, These three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what, church? Love. Absolutely. So with that being said, uh, we're going to focus on what it means that our family will love one another and accept one another. Now, I do understand there are probably other things that we could have included in this list. Okay. For, for instance, we were at a ball game uh, just last week, and uh, our family had to drive separately. I had something going on after the game, and I think Jenny had something the boys. And so we all sort of drove separately. We got to the game, and when the game was over, it's like, all right, we'll see you later. We're giving each other hugs like we always do, and we're getting ready to go out the door. And Luke Powers was like, you driving somewhere? You going somewhere out of town? I was like, oh, no, we always give each other hugs. That's what our family does. We just give each other hugs. And then, of course, this week, um, Colin was is home from college. He's working at Sauter's for the week. So he's getting up, leaving a little before 6 in the morning. And about 6.20, I get this text from him. And it says, um, did I give you a hug? That was it. It's like, that was a great text, by the way. As a parent, okay, that your 20-something-year-old son is one, you know, hey, when I left this morning, <clears throat> did I give you that hug? Yes, you did, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. But that's what we do. Our family will hug one another. We, that's, that's the way we work. Now, is that in the list for all of you? No, because some of you are like, no, nah, don't touch me, right? Um, I get that. If we did preach on our family will hug one another, I would probably have Mike Fogarty and Cade Cordy come up here and preach the sermon. <laughs> Mike just gave me a hug out in the lobby. He didn't know this, but I've got a fractured rib. That hurt. I mean, <laughs> he walked away and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have hugged Mike. I got to remember that. So I don't know where you're at, Mike, but I still love you, man. Just fist pump next week. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> our family will love one another and accept one another. Now, I want you to ask yourself this question, okay? Who are the easiest people to love? Just think about it. Don't have to answer loud. Just think. Who are the easiest people to love? If you thought family, you're correct. I believe family members are sometimes the easiest ones to love. Now, let me ask you a second question. Who are the hardest people to love? 
family, you didn't even hold it back. You just shouted it out. I was like, okay, they're shouting that one. So, yes, you're right. The easiest people love and the hardest people love are the same people sometimes, aren't they? Our family members. It's crazy how that fluctuates. One minute you want to put your arms around, next minute you want to put your arms around something else on them. But that's the way family goes. But see, that's what happens when you, we live off of what's called conditional love. Conditional love is basically a love that says, what you do for me, I'll do for you. The way you love me, I'll love you. The way you treat me is the way I'll treat you. That's conditional love. And we are very much like that, right? Loving our family should be easy. It really should. Especially around the holidays. You know, as a parent, when I was a younger parent, and our kids were just, you know, Clay was the last one, you know, a year too old, and the other boys a few years older. It was sort of chaotic around our house at Christmas time because, like any parent who loves their kids, you just buy, 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 right? And you have all these gifts on the trees, like, oh, yeah, I just want to lavish my love upon my kids, so I'm just going to give them, give them. But you know what? After about one or two gifts, they open up. They really didn't care. I mean, oh, yeah, another one opened up. But that nice one that we thought they really liked, that's back in the corner now because something else just replaced it. And it just kept doing that. So we said, we got to get this one under, figured out. So we decided, this was our, our new family rule, was Jesus got three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So kids, you're getting three gifts. That worked great for quite a while. Now we've got our spending under control. We've got it figured out how we do Christmas. So we sort of let that rule sort of slide out of the way now. But the point is, we just wanted to lavish gifts upon our kids. They needed our love, and we felt the best way to love them at that moment in time was give, 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 right? Thinking that love is measured by the size of the gift or the numbers of the gifts or the amount that we're giving them, the materialistic value that is. But we know that love comes in different ways too, right? Love doesn't always come with a wrapping paper and a bow on it. Love comes with a hug. Love comes in the small things. Time spent with somebody. Charles Schwab once said, money will buy, uh, I'm sorry, money will buy you a bed, but not a good night's sleep. A house, but not a home. A companion, but not a friend. Isn't that true? The best gifts that we can give to our children and to our family members is not just money and toys or the small things, which are good, the hugs, the time spent with them. Those are good as well. But the best thing we can give them is God's love. It's God's love. John 3, 16. It's up on the screen for you. If you want to look to uh, your Bible and open up, you can. Um, but it's a verse many of you have probably memorized. You've heard over and over, and you know this verse. For God so loved the world that he, what? He gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. You know, when I, when I look at that verse, that's just the first part of that verse. The most important part, of course, and I don't know if it's, uh, it's all important, but the last part is that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's incredible, isn't it? But God loves unconditionally, immeasurable, incredible. He loved us so much he gave. You know, when you love someone, it's really simple. You give them something, right? I mean, if you really love somebody, you're probably going to give them something. Christmas, birthday, holiday, just for fun. You see them, you know them, you love them. So it's like, I, just, I saw this, I thought of you, I want to give it to you. Because you love them, right? Generous gifting is often a result of our love. 
However, very rarely do you give something to somebody that you don't love, somebody that you hate, somebody you don't get along with, right? Very rarely, like, you know, I was thinking of them, and boy, they really ticked me off. I think I'll go buy them something. That doesn't happen, does it, right? Matter of fact, you may give that person less if you give them anything at all, or maybe you don't give them anything, or you give them something in spite of them that something like this will really make them mad, and you give them something bad. Not very Christ-like, is it? Praise God that he loves us despite our sin. Because <laughs> God could have looked at us too, because it says in the Bible that once we were enemies with God. And if we're enemies with God, oh, think what he could have given us. Instead, he gives us his love. That immeasurable, unconditional, incredible love he gives to us. He is compelled to give it. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 7. I have verse 9 up there, but I want verse 7. So in your Bibles, 1 John, it's all the way towards the back of the Bible. Uh, if, you can, if you want to start Revelation, start working your way towards the front, you'll come to 1 John chapter 4. See, John was one who walked and talked with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? Being able to live your life walking and talking with Jesus Christ, eating with him, laughing with him, crying with him, an apostle, a friend, a follower of the Savior. He knew Jesus personally. So he knew God indirectly as well. You know God through Jesus. And so as he knows all these things about Jesus in this book, John reassures that his fellow believers who are struggling, he says, I want you to know about the love of God. And he doesn't only talk to his fellow believers about the love of God, but he says there's some false teaching going on too. Let's correct some of the false teaching so that's what this book is about. And then he gets to chapter 4 where he talks about how we as believers in Christ must love one another. <clears throat> so let's look verse 7. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. John's like, I'm just going to define right now. You want to define God? He is love. Verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. When you read this, there's, I, there's like four things that just jump out at me when I'm reading this scripture. Here's the first thing. God's love is, is shown to us. He shows us his love. He doesn't just say, I love you, but he shows us his love. It's hard to believe that we're loved sometimes, right? Because of our circumstances around us, the conditions around us. There's things that happen in our life and we sit there and we doubt God's love. It's like, can God really love me right now? I mean, and what's going on right now? I mean, if God loved me, he wouldn't. You ever said that before? Something bad happens. The first thing we do is we doubt God's love. It was 30 years ago tomorrow, 30 years ago tomorrow, when my dad was in the hospital. He had had an accident, had taken off his thumb, three of his, two of his fingers. He's in the hospital. They tried to reattach it. They went down to Indianapolis, just three hours from where we lived, because the best surgeons were there. And they reattached everything the best they could on his two fingers and and Christmas morning, I'll never forget, I'm in the hospital room with my mom, my dad. Um, most of my family were on their way down. A couple of them were there, and they just weren't in the room at the moment. And the alarms went off on, on my dad's uh, monitors for his hand. Doctors came in, nurses came in. They basically said, um, blood's not flowing. We probably have to amputate it. 
And I was so mad at God. I was like, my dad doesn't deserve this. Why him? Right? Do you ever have those kind of moments? You're like, this isn't fair. So in my anger to God, I walked out of the room, walked out of the hospital, and, and my brothers and family and, and my sister, they went down to the surgical waiting room and prayed. Because that's what we do, right? That's what our family does. We pray for one another. At that moment, though, I didn't want to be part of the family. Because conditionally, at that moment, I was mad. Of course, hours later, I come back into the waiting room. Doctor comes in. Top surgeon says, I can't explain what just happened. Hashtag miracle, right? We went in, did what we could. We can't explain it, but the blood's flowing. Everything's working. We're not going to have to amputate. It was, it was answered prayer. And I, but I was so mad. You know, I couldn't admit that God was awesome at that moment. It was a turning point in my life spiritually. But I, I sit here and think, God shows this love his love to us all the time. It's just sometimes because we're sort of tainted by our circumstances. We just don't see it, but it's there. God's love is always there. In John three sixteen, God loves us. He shows us the extent of his love. He sends his one and only son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved that he gave. Here's the second thing I see in this scripture, and that's God's love to us is eternal. It's eternal. God loves us, his creation. And he desires to spend eternity with us, which is crazy. Because some of us can be really annoying, can't we? There are some people you're like, I can't wait to not be around. And there's people you love being around. You won't admit those that you don't like being around. But they're there, right? And can you imagine that when God looks upon his creation, there's got to be a few people he goes, that person is really annoying, okay? Now, but it's God's creation, so he looks on it, and I think he overlooks it. I don't think he sees that. And he says, which is crazy, he goes, I want you to spend eternity with me. And some of us are like, I can't spend five minutes with you. But God wants eternity with us. Why? Because his love is eternal. Isn't that amazing? The next time you're around that person's like, man, they really annoy me. And they just think, you know what? God wants to spend eternity with them. And he wants to spend eternity with you. What a blessing, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. His eternal love is through his Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Here's the third thing. God's love is foundational. It begins with God loving us, not us loving God. See, we, sometimes we start relationships. We think, well, I've got to love them first. No, no, no. Here's the thing. God already loved you. Before you could even think about who God was, before you even thought of loving God, surrendering your life to him, he already loved you. Your faults, your shortcomings, your awesome things, loved them all before you ever loved him. Here's the fourth thing. God's love is sacrificial. See, God loves us, but he can't stand to look at our sin. He really can't. He can't overlook it. He can't morally slack and allow to... Let us live our lives for ourselves in such a selfish manner. So it cost God the life of his son. It didn't cost you or I anything, did it? When we buy stuff for people, we pull out our, our wallets, we pay for things. My boys come up to me and say, hey, you know, this was younger. They're actually chipping in now. But there was a day when they're like, can you help us buy mom something for Christmas? You know, that, that would happen. They, they cover themselves now. They take care of it. But there was a time when I would have to help pay for it. 
right? Have you ever done that for somebody? You helped pay for something for somebody else? It cost you something, didn't it? This doesn't cost you anything. It costs God, his son, Jesus Christ. Life eternal is on him. He's paid the price. An amazing price. The death of his son Jesus, sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection that makes us right with God. Nothing else. God loves us. God shows us his love. And in return, we respond by loving him. Go ahead and look in your Bibles to verse 11 now. Let's continue to read here. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Now, it's true. None of us in this room, we've never visibly seen God. We haven't. But you see, Jesus is the complete expression of God in human form. And he revealed God to us through himself. So the disciples and the people living back in the New Testament, they got to see God through Jesus. We don't have that privilege, do we? But when we love one another, according to what John's writing here, do you see what he said? When we love one another, the invisible God reveals himself to others through us. Isn't that amazing? His love is made complete. Since God loves us so much, we ought to love each other. No one has seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. When you love somebody else with the love of God, they're seeing God at, at work. And what is great is, is that God doesn't give us a quota for how many people we're supposed to love. If you're reading through the scripture, it doesn't say like, and you surely ought to love at least a dozen people a day. Your quota for today is this. If some of you have certain work things that you have to accomplish or maybe certain hours you have to put in, you've got a quota. When it comes to loving other people with the love of God, no quota. No number. What it does tell us is it shows us how much to love people. Not how many people to love, but how much to love people. And that says we are to love others the same way that God loves us. Whew. That's difficult, isn't it? To love other people the way God loves us? I can't do that all the time. I know how much God loves me, and sometimes I can't even fathom how deep that is. But for me to love other people the same way, I can't do that on my own. So God gives us his very spirit. When we become Christians, when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, when we become Christians, God gives us his very own spirit. And his spirit working through us allows us to love people with his love. See, God's present to us is his presence with a C. You following me on that? Should have put that one on the screen, right? Look at verse 13 with me, please. God's given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and him in us. Furthermore, we've seen with our own eyes, we now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. Now, <clears throat> I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus here, but I saw some pictures of somebody in our church dressed up like Santa Claus this week, and they looked like they were having a ton of fun. They really did. Kids, now there's a couple crying pictures of kids. For the most part, they were all happy, and, and Santa looked happy. Um, and, you know, but I don't want to embarrass Cade, so I won't mention anybody as to who it was. But... 
it's difficult to dress up and like Santa and be mean, isn't it? I mean, when's the last time you saw Santa walking around saying, get away from me, kid, you know? It doesn't happen. You put on a Santa suit and it's all of a sudden you're like, ho, ho, ho. You want, you want that jolly laugh. You want to eat cookies. You want to give people stuff. And, you know, it's just, there's something about putting on that costume, right? You know, I was thinking about this. When we put on the Holy Spirit, it's easy to love others because God's working through you. Ain't no costume needed. But when you put on the Holy Spirit, when you wear him, he works through you. You know, you know why it's so easy for Cabe to um, be the way he was with the costume on? Because he's the same way with the costume off. He's just as loving both ways because God's love is already working through him. That's already pouring out of him. Look at verse 16. We know how much God loves us. We put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. You know, as a child of God, according to Ephesians 5.1, we want to imitate God. And so I want to love others. And in my love, I want to give. But what's the best way for me to give if it's not about all the materialistic things that I'm trying to give to everybody? What can I do to give to others? What can I do to show my love to others? So let me help you with a simple one that you can all do today or tomorrow. This is a simple thing. You love your kids. You love your family. Then stop before you open up the presents. Stop and read Luke chapter 2. You want to show them your love for God? Go to him first before you open up those presents. I know it's hard, right? We did this as a family from day one. I, I don't, you know, they were doing it before I was born uh, in, in our household. But Luke chapter 2, my dad would open up the Bible. We'd read Luke chapter 2. And then he would pray. My dad, it seemed like he was not Pentecostal, but on Christmas morning, he prayed forever. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking because I was in the back of my mind, I'm looking, there's, there's that present, and he's still praying. Just say amen. Just, one amen, we're there with the present, right? It might have been the same like the prayer he always prayed, but it just felt like forever, right? But that's what we did. Now, this past Friday night, our family got together, and it's going to be hard to see in the picture, but that's my family, my mom, my uh, four brothers, one sister, and all their kids. That's our extended family. Um, There's about 60-plus that were there that night. We were missing about a dozen that were still out of state, Um, some of my nephews and nieces that live out of state. So, But we can no longer meet at my mom's house, so we meet at her church. We sit around, and we, as brothers and my sister, we take turns. So it was my one brother, Steve, his turn. So he was in charge of stuff, and we read Luke 2. That was the first thing we did. And then he had all of us siblings go around and share one Christmas memory. And that was hard to share one, but we went around. And my oldest brother, David, the first thing that came out of his mouth was this. I remember the first Christmas that Dad let me read Luke 2. That was a privilege. He let me sit in his chair and read from his Bible, Luke 2. He goes, I'll never forget that Christmas. He goes, I don't even know what I got for Christmas that year. But I got to read Luke 2. We still do that in our house. I encourage you to do it in yours. Why? Because you're showing one the love for God and you're showing your children who you love. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. 
They've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Deuteronomy 11.19 says, teach them to your children. God's word. Teach God's word to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you go to bed, when you get up. There's more to that scripture. Basically, what God was telling Moses and Moses was telling the people is, every time you have a chance to open up God's word, open it up. Read it to your children and your grandchildren. And if you don't have children, then when you're in the nursery or children's church or Tupas or GPS, the kids' programs, read the scripture to the kids. Let them know the value of God's word. I know this. Life can be so busy, right? Chasing dreams, taking our children everywhere as a parent. You know, it's like, oh, I got to go to this event, that event, and I got to get to this thing and then that thing. And you're all over the place. But let me ask you this. You've taken your kid to everywhere in the world, every ball tournament, every, every event that they could see, every um, maybe uh, amusement park that they could ever touch. Have they seen Jesus? So you tell me what matters more. They can see the whole world and miss Jesus. And that would be tragedy. They need to see Jesus. And do we realize that when we do all these things, we leave no room in our lives for our Savior? We're we're no different sometimes than when that scripture from Luke chapter 2, verse 7, that says this, She gave birth to her firstborn son, talking about Mary. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. Can you imagine being that innkeeper? You know, pregnant woman and this guy you don't know, and they went, any room. My wife's about ready to have a baby. We've gone on every door, and we can't find a place to stay. And, and as the innkeeper, you're like, sorry, we don't have any room for you. Little as you know, the Messiah is to be born. The King of kings, Lord of lords. Wonderful counselor, right? Prince of peace. No room, sorry. Sometimes I wonder if we do the same things when our schedules are so busy. Too full to spend time with God. Maybe we don't have the resources to give to missions or the church, but we've spent them everywhere else. Maybe the gifts that God's given us uh, for work or home, we realize we're too exhausted to use those to serve in other places. We've spent everything we have, time, money, resources, skills, talents, everywhere else, that when God says, hey, do you have any time for me or anything? It's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Everything's been so full, I have nothing left, right? Sometimes we're like the innkeeper. No room in the end for Jesus. If there's something we can do to show love for others, help them know that there is always room for Jesus. 33 brief years after Jesus made his visit to this planet, and there was no room for him, he died on a cross for you and I. Our Savior grew up. He lived out his mission to seek and save those who were lost. He was born to give life. And at the cross, he welcomes all. There's always room for you at the cross. Always room. Anyone who wants to confess their sins and surrender their life to Jesus Christ, Jesus says, come. There's always room. I will always make room for you. And in regards of whatever our past has been like, there's room. The greatest gift given to you and I was a gift from God, his son, Jesus Christ. Born in a barn, basically a cave. So I encourage you today, make room for him. 
make room for him. When you make room for him, he fills you with his love. There's no way you and I can love others without his love working through us. With his love, we're able to share God's love with others and do what families do best. Love each other. Love each other. First John 4. Look at your uh, Bibles with me at the last few verses here. Verse 19. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he's given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Did you hear that? Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So as we love each other, it becomes a little bit easier to also accept one another. We want to love one another, but we also must accept one another. And maybe you're not sure what that means. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, verses 5 to 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, you're right there. Romans chapter 15. Paul was writing to the church in Rome, no different than our current churches, made up of different nationalities, backgrounds, people different opinions, young, old, rich, poor, different ethnic background, different skin color, different, 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 right? So he's writing to this church that has a lot of differences, no difference in our church. You look around our church, we're different, different backgrounds, young, old, some of us are, are, are doing well financially, some not. Some of us have large families, some of us have no family. We come from different backgrounds, different uh, ethnics, right? And sometimes it makes it hard to accept one another, let alone love one another. When we look at this, uh, Romans 15, 5 to 7, it says this. May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for fellow followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ accepted you so that God will be given glory. Now, another translation for that word accept is to, was talking about receiving mercy. Basically, you're, you're taking somebody as your companion. You're taking them by the hand in order to lead them somewhere to goodness. You're leading them to kindness. You're showing hospitality. The translation says to grant access to one's heart. And just as Christ has accepted us and taken us in and shown us mercy, he's saying, that's what you do with other people too. We accept one another. Accepting means showing hospitality to others, sharing meals with each other, sharing activities with each other, avoiding racial or economical discrimination. You avoid favoritism towards somebody's background. You avoid that. See, we're different than each other, but we accept one another. And when we do that, we minimize the gap of our differences when we accept one another and love one another with the love of God. Those differences do this. Our family will love one another and accept one another. That's what our family will do here at True North. And one way to accept one another is to not judge them but just love them. Just love them. You know, we could easily judge others because of what they've done. Criminal background, drug addict, bully, thief. Can you still love them and accept them? Yes. 
Some of you may be witnesses. I saw it a few weeks ago. I was um, at Walmart grabbing something real quick. I had to run in and grab something, and it was just going to be one thing, right? Short trip, just grab it. I got in there, and within a few minutes, the place was filled with police and deputy sheriffs and law enforcement of all kinds. The canine unit was there. They were all over the place. And it wasn't a bust. It wasn't anybody shoplifting. They had all these little kids with them. It's called Shop with a Cop. And all these kids, I think it was maybe around 42 kids from Fulton County. Not sure in their background. But these men and women in uniform were taking these kids around shopping with them. There had been a fundraise where they took this money to just go buy these kids Christmas gifts that maybe they weren't even going to get. It was an incredible thing to witness. Everybody was like, man, you came on the wrong day. Man, you came on the wrong day. And I'm thinking, how did I come on the wrong day? This was like the perfect day to come, to witness the acceptance and love of one another. These policemen and women, these officers in law enforcement, didn't look at these kids like, you know, I busted your dad or, or you know, you don't deserve this or you've got a different background. No, there was none of that. They accepted these children for who they were, and they loved them. Matter of fact, some people came up to a certain law officer, gave him a $20 bill, and said, help get him another gift. And of course, that child didn't know the amount of money, so he picked out something that was more than 20 You know what that law enforcement officer did? Pulled it out of his own pocket, paid off the difference. Another person gave a gift card over $200 to another officer and said, you got six kids there. Use this as well. It was an incredible sight to see. There was no judging on behalf of these who these kids were. Just accept them. Just love them. Just as God accepts us who we are, aren't you glad he overlooks all of our faults? He could very well look at us and say, I know what you've done. I know what you're going to do. That's unacceptable. But God in his mercy and kindness says, I love you. For God so loved, he gave. That's what Christmas, when we look at that and say, that's what Christmas is about, right? I don't know if anybody picked up the Crescent newspaper this morning that comes to our house, picked up front page. Oh, this is what Christmas is all about. There's a picture of the stable in Luke chapter 2 and some scripture reading on it. It's like, they got it right. The media got it right. This is what Christmas is all about. God's love. God's love. This Christmas, what an incredible reminder, God's love for us and our command to love one another. I'm going to ask uh, children. I need children grades three, four, five, six, seven. Come on up here, please. Worship team, could you please come forward? Now, we've got a gift for the whole church. We've been doing this. It's sort of been fun. Our family will. Um, these kids are just going to come and, oh boy, there's a lot of you. So take the stack and just spread them out amongst all of you right there. And then take the stack and just sort of spread them out. I want to give you a stack of cards. Just go give this to everybody. Everybody in this room gets one. Don't let anybody walk out of here without one. Okay? Oops. There and there. You're welcome. Make sure you keep one for yourself. Oh boy. Incredible help. You're welcome. We'll take some and go. Just find some people. Go give them some. 
go. And if you would, adults and everybody else in the room, please raise your hand so they know who to bring one to if you haven't gotten one yet. There you go. Can you pick that one up on the floor? Oh, there you go. Split that right there with your bill. Give them it there. Raise your hand if you didn't get one so they know who to come to. Thank you. There's a hand back there. And if you have any leftovers, make sure you get one for yourself. And the rest of them you can bring up here to the Advent table. You can put them right on the table for me. Thank you. Make sure you everybody gets one. We wanted to remind you what we've been talking about for this past series. So here's something you can place anywhere. If you want an extra one to give to somebody, we've got extras. You can have more than one if you want. Yeah, just put the rest right there. Thank you. But we want to make sure we put something in your hands as you walk out of here. Just remember, what's our family all about? If you look down this list, these are the things we've been talking about and reading through. And I didn't go back, but to sum it all up, the greatest of these is love. Absolutely. Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. Thank you, Lord, that this Christmas Eve, we could gather together as a church to sing to you, to worship you, to come and learn more about your love for us. God, I know the the innkeeper said there's no room. Matter of fact, when people walked in here today, they thought there's no room. What an awesome thing. We found some chairs. It's all good. But Lord, we know this at the cross, there's a lot more room. And each and every one of us in this room here hopefully understands the gift that you gave us. Eternal life through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we don't want to miss out on that gift. What an incredible gift you gave us. So God, if there's somebody in in this room this morning, that doesn't know you as a personal savior, that they've never confessed their sins, they've never surrendered their life to you, today would be an incredible day to receive that gift of eternal life. All we got to do is confess in our hearts that we have wronged, that we've sinned. Confess that you are Lord of all. We ask you to come into our lives. Remove the sin. We ask that you bring your spirit into our life to help us live for you. God, what an incredible God you are. We thank you for that gift. God, I pray that as we we leave this church, we leave in a way that honors you, that we can accept one another and love one another the way you have accepted and loved us. And God, what a joyful, joyful Christmas this can be, knowing the truth of your love. And I thank you for this time. I pray as we sing to you now, we can worship with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind and strength. In the name we pray, amen.